Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 98. This interview is with Bjorn Onibeni, founder and CEO of BuzzRank.de, i.e. in Germany. As I like to explore digital marketing around the world, I wanted to chat with Bjorn about the German market, which brands are doing well or not, and find out about the particularities of doing digital marketing in Germany. It's certainly a big and challenging market. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. So, welcome to the Minter Dialogue. Today, I have from Skype someone I met at South by Southwest. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, thanks to our friend, our mutual friend, Lutz Finger. So it's no surprise that we have a German on the line. Uh, Bjorn, tell us who you are, what you do, and uh, how would you describe your mindset? Yes, hello, Minter. Um, yeah, my name is Bjorn Onibini. Uh, I'm from Hamburg, Germany, and I basically have two roles. Uh, one is uh, I'm a freelance consultant for digital marketing communications. Um, and uh, I'm also one of the founders of a digital or a, a social media analytics company called uh, BuzzRank that's also headquartered here in Hamburg. All right. Well, we're going to get back into BuzzRank uh, in a little bit. But um, so we met at South by Southwest. And I'm curious, you know, that's a long journey for someone from Hamburg to come to. Do you think it's worthwhile? And would you recommend it for other people to come to? Yeah, I, I like it very much. It was not the first time that I was there. And uh, one of the reasons why I like to go to Austin is that I uh, went to the university there for a very short time in, as part of an exchange program. But that's also a good reason for me to go back. Um, but uh, basically what I really like about South by Southwest is the uh, networking opportunity and the atmosphere that's uh, happening there. It's, for me, it's not so much about the sessions. Um, if you go there only to see the sessions, I think um, it makes more sense to look up the uh, presenters and find their, their YouTube uh, videos. Um, that's a much more, more convenient um, experience probably. Um, because there's so the, the program and is so vast that every time you sit in a session, um, you know that you're missing right now ten others that are probably <laughs> more interesting. Yeah, it, it gets a little bit frenetic and neurotic. I mean, but let's say if you know all the programs and 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 uh, conferences are out there, how would you rank South by Southwest? Is is it a sort of like one of those unmissables, uh, or would you put would you put it right on the top or you know right in the pack? How would you rank it? Yeah, it depends for uh, why you go there. For in, in terms of atmosphere and in terms of meeting people and networking, it's especially in, in the field that we are talking about. Um, that's probably um, the leading conference right now uh, worldwide. Mm. Um, I think there are others that uh, have a nicer atmosphere because they are smaller, like XOXO in, in Portland. Um, that's something that I really would like to go uh, and visit, but. Uh, I think there are only 500 tickets available, and it's a little bit hard to get in. Uh, but that's probably also a very interesting um, one. Mm. Um, in terms of, as I said, just the sessions, that's something I think it's more less and less uh, important just to sit in sessions and presentations because um, that's something that you can do at home much more convenient. But in terms of networking, it's probably one of the leading 
uh, conferences that you can do, go to these days. All right, so Bjorn, you are uh, in Germany. You are in the, the you know the leading forefront of what's going on in terms of uh, the digital marketing, social media. One of the things that I love to hear about is what is bizarre or different or, you know, at least different about each market. And uh, the German market, of course, is, is the big, the dominant market in Europe. Where, how would you describe, since you know well so, so many of the other markets, the particularities of the German market? Yeah, I think um, the, the size is, of course, interesting for everyone. Um, uh, I used to work for a lot of Scandinavian companies, and they always underestimated the Sherman market a little bit. Um, well, that's they, bizarre. <laughs> yeah, because they have uh, um, they have a product that was developed in, in Scandinavia and worked well and worked fine with, with the people there, and then they moved it to to uh, Germany, and then they had either the problem that there were too many people going there and trying it out, or um, less people or not, not enough people. I think one of the um, bizarre things about the German market is probably the skepticism of Germans to try out new things. Um, that's something that I also realized or um, that, that I could was able to observe with my uh, Scandinavian colleagues. Every time something new came along, um, the Scandinavians and probably also a lot of other um, uh, people in, in other countries spend time to figure it out, try to find what, what they could do with it. Uh, and uh, sometimes they think it's not interesting, they can't do anything with it. Sometimes they find interesting applications for something new. In Germany, I very often have the feeling that people spend a lot of time figuring out why they don't want to do anything with it. And they can very specifically explain to you why it doesn't make sense to use this. And um, that's something that you always have to overcome when you do something new, want to introduce something well, uh, to the German market. Well, on the one hand, I'm, I'm, I hear critical thinking and, and critique, and, and uh, which is very common in France. But I, at the other side, I mean, to be fair, there's very few people who are comfortable in change. And, and, you know, so do you think that the German market is, has a characteristic of being overly conservative about with regard to new and, and this new, I mean, the change which is about us? Yeah, I, I don't talk that much about real fundamental change, but also small little new products. Yeah, like uh, I can remember back that back then that, that Google Apps came along and um, that uh, my colleagues in uh, Copenhagen really liked it and started using it. And uh, the German tried to uh, explain what all the dangers are with uh, this kind of product. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm not sure where that's, this comes from because... Uh, if you look uh, into newscasts from the 60s, you find Germans who are happily talking about uh, using uh, nuclear energy in cars in like 10, 20 years. Yeah? <laughs> Back then, they were in a bizarre, very, very open to new products. Uh, but somehow that, that changed over the last decades. And nowadays, it's, it's really hard to introduce something new to, and also a new product or um, a new idea to, uh, um, to the, the bigger German audience. All right. Well, in the, in the realm of, of being skeptical, the, I mean, and one of the, the sort of the layers of getting involved in social media and digital marketing in general uh, the internet is this notion of security and privacy. 
How would you describe the German definition of, of what's private? You know, because, I mean, whether it's the NSA, the fact that you guys have Greenwald, who's, who's you know, lodged in Berlin, there's, there's a definitely a, a notion that Germany has a, a specific point of view with regard to privacy and security. What, how do you describe that? Yeah, I, I think that's one of the reasons why there's a lot of skepticism in this uh, digital fields uh, here um, because people have a very uh, strong feeling towards um, data protection and privacy and, and these kind of, of things. That's probably one of the reasons because we had two uh, dictatorships over the last uh, 60, 70 years um, uh, that leaves you somehow somewhat skeptical towards um, the state and what, what they uh, know. But it's also about... Um, your private data, yeah, the, the data that you uh, give to companies using loyalty cards and these kind of things. I think um, those programs are much more, and I'm not that much into this, but I th think probably that uh, these kind of programs are much more um, uh, uh, used outside Germany than inside of Germany. Right. Because people are skeptical of what um, companies do with these, um, uh, this data. With the data. All right, well, one of the things that would be interesting is, is just to paint a picture of the social media landscape in Germany as opposed to what you know it is in, 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 in the United States, uh, Canada, England, and so on. How, what, are, what's going, what are the top things in, in Germany, and how is it different, than, as you know it, from the other countries? I think one way where it isn't different is uh, the dominant position of Facebook. Yeah, that's something that um, is in Germany uh, not different from, than from other countries. We used to have a very specific German uh, Facebook-type social network that was actually a kind of copycat. Uh, it started out as some kind of copycat project that was called StudiVZ, um, like student directory uh, as an abbreviation. Yeah. And that was extremely uh, popular, um, I don't know, like seven, eight years ago. Sure. Um, they had a very dominant position. There, there was not one single student, I think, in Germany who wasn't part of StudiVZ. Um, but somehow they missed the boat. They, they, um, the, the founders left the company, was bought by Holzbrink. Uh, they brought in professional management and uh, sayonara the, yeah sometimes not the best idea and what happened was that um, they somehow weren't able to bring all these uh, students who left the university onto a new platform that they called Mindfault Set um, people weren't really interested into that and all the new students were on Facebook and so after a while uh, it dried up, and um, that's that's gone now. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you have Facebook that's dominant, Google that's obviously dominant, but then you have Zing, and, and how's Twitter going? Yeah, um, Zing is probably uh, in the business area a real uh, important player here in Germany. It's very successful, and it's also probably uh, the reason that, that uh, Zing as a German company um, has more trust um, if you put your data into this than um, U.S. players. So I'm not sure. I think LinkedIn is doing pretty fine. They, they are making headway in Germany. But um, 
so far, um, I don't know the exact numbers, but so far I think Zing is still the dominant player are, here. Are you active in Zing, you personally? Yeah, well, that's a, a little bit the, the problem of Zing is that uh, it works very well as uh, as some kind of um, directory. Yeah, yeah, where you uh, find your um, your colleagues, you have uh, all the uh, the contact data, but you don't do much with it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. uh, see who has a new job, mm-hmm. uh, you uh, look up a phone number. All the active parts there were there were an add-on that came later, and I'm not sure how how well they are used. Yeah, it sounds um, like VDO a little bit. They're just uh, you know it's a directory repository for people, their jobs, titles, connections, but then there's no activity that is going on. Probably there there is, but uh, that's something that I, for example, don't use that much. Yeah. Um, for on in the national part, I think LinkedIn is of course pretty big and if you want to do some networking uh, on the international level you always would go to linkedin and that's also where you put content in you're just oh. saying that because of lots uh, <laughs> actually not that, of course i know but let's talk about twitter so um how's twitter yeah. doing in germany I like Twitter very much, and I use it very much, but um, there are unfortunately not that many uh, of my fellow Germans who use it. I think um, they are far behind in Germany um, in terms of adoption compared to other uh, European countries or also on the international level. Why is that? Um, I'm I'm actually not really sure, um, because if you... uh, look at uh, popular TV programs like uh, Germany's Next Top Model with Heidi Klum or uh, the German version of American Idol. That's something that where a lot of people uh, comment on Twitter. There's a lot of activity on Twitter around these kind of uh, 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 TV shows. And that, this is very much mainstream. So um, there is obviously a mainstream group who's interested in um, using Twitter for this kind of activity. So it's not really only this hardcore social media use group who is using Twitter. But still, it's not something that, that was picked up uh, by mainstream. That's different on Facebook. Yeah, a lot of there's much more activity on Facebook in, in these areas. Um, why? I'm, I'm not really sure. What, what's. Yeah? I can't, I can't help but think, because I love languages and I don't want to call myself a linguist, but. You know, I've been studying this, and you look, you think of the the Chinese characters and Japanese characters that you can you can write a book in 140 characters. Mm-hmm. And the Germans, you can write it, you can write one word in 140 characters. And I can't wonder if if that's also contributed to maybe not enjoying the short form, or or SMSs equally, you know, they're doing very well in Germany, and and maybe it's just the Twitter platform that doesn't mm-hmm. work. It makes things probably uh, more difficult. That's probably right. Um, so uh, that might be a factor. But still, you're able to get things across also in 140 characters. And um, if you uh, watch what people are writing um, during these uh, shows that I mentioned, um, uh, it, it can be pretty funny and it can be very good. So it's um, there's probably... Perhaps still this, or again, this the skepticism towards new things. Yeah, I have my Facebook, 
why should I go to Twitter? Well, you know, I'm just going to hark back to the French situation because, I mean, while Twitter is, you know, bubbling and, and vibrant in, in all the Anglo-Saxon, well, you know, England and America, Canada, in France it wasn't to begin with, but it is now because it's so present on mass media. There was a point in, in, in France where they were like, well, we cannot mention any of these social media, and that just was, that backfired, and they finally said, no, 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 we can talk about Twitter and Facebook. And, and that helped, you know, well, you know, what's on Twitter is sort of part of the mainstay of, of news media in the morning. What about in Germany? Is, is mass media sort of reluctant to talk about it? Or I don't know. Is that, what do you think? Mm. I think um, what, what I keep hearing is that uh, one thing is that, that mass media, um, especially uh, big TV networks, they, they are trying to establishing their own platforms. Sure. And they are a little bit hesitant in using Facebook and driving um, users to Facebook. Uh, they want to drive them to their own platforms. Yeah, so um, I get it. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, German brands because I mean, yeah, just just one point for sure. that. Uh, sure. Perhaps, um, something that's uh, I'm not sure if that's the same in other countries, but something that's very important in Germany and that's very often overlooked is all the discussion forum scenes. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's something that's uh, um, stronger that's in Germany. Pretty old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's nothing new, so that's good <laughs> uh, from from a German point of view. Uh, and there are really established players um, where people discuss heavily about subjects that they are interested in. Um, they, they wouldn't start a blog. Um, they, they wouldn't use Twitter or Facebook for it, but they are very happy to uh, engage with other people uh, on forums about to, to discuss cars or uh, mobiles, gadgets, um, private things. Um, uh, they're, they're big... Um, Women communities are very active. Parenthood and all these kind of subjects that are very is a very lively uh, area where where people really use social media. But that's not the the new social media that started like five to ten years ago. But something that is much older, but still is very vibrant. Yeah. So I mean, these platforms are these these forums. They're they're not really owned. I mean, or how, how are they managed per se? The one the the, the biggest ones. Um, the one thing is that uh, the, the big publishing companies like Springer have uh, they have bought uh, big uh, communities like um, Motor Talk, which is a leading uh, car community or car forum in Germany. Um, so that's one thing, mm-hmm. um, and. I'm not. I, I don't think there are much. There are a lot of new uh, sites out there. Are, mm-hmm. Most of them are very old ones, and uh, they, they are, star, are, are run by by smaller companies and haven't changed much mm-hmm. uh, over the years. And probably will uh, generate a lot of fury if they really start <laughs> to uh, modernize uh, these old communities. No, I, I can just imagine. So. Um, Bjorn, in in Germany, I was just mentioning before, we've got a lot of beautiful, massively recognized, strong brands, whether it's Audi, BMW, Mercedes, Brandt, uh, and the list goes on, especially in in white goods. How do you evaluate the German brands and their ability to do well in digital social media marketing? Mm. I think it's um, the same as the, the the German people. They are lagging a little bit. Um, they are not really the drivers who uh, 
trying to be uh, the pioneers. Um, there were one uh, smaller food brand was it's called Froster. I'm not sure if you heard nope. about them. No. Nope. Uh, it's privately owned. It's I think the market leader for frozen foods uh, in, in in Germany, and um, uh, it's run by a family. And they started I think eight nine years ago uh, the Froster block. Yeah, the, that was really the first real big. It, it isn't a small brand. It's a pretty big one. They do TV commercials. They have over a billion sales. But they started um, the Froster block, which quickly became the best practice for social media in, in Germany back mm. then. That was one of the pioneers, but it's a smaller one. So they're, I mean, that's, so they're driving content. And, I mean, are, they, are they using these traditional, or not traditional, but you know, the new wave of what's useful in marketing? Is that what's, how it's driving that blog? Yeah, actually, um, they, it's, it started as a, some kind of experiment. Um, uh, the, uh, there was an Economist article about... Um, uh, uh, Robert Scoble uh, back then mm. and how he at Microsoft used his blog to uh, become a spokesperson for Microsoft and the uh, marketing, the head of marketing for Foster was back then the, the son of the CEO he, he's now the CEO himself but uh, he read this article and uh, talked to an intern um, during lunch break about uh, how to set up a blog and then I think in the evening or the next morning the black the blog was live and he was just posting articles there and asking his uh, fellow employees to uh, if they have something interesting to say and that was really a kind of anarchic thing it was not content marketing it was not mm -hmm. really a strategy it was just um, hey that's a nice channel to talk to the market directly and uh, let's use it mm. but that was very um, something that that's very un-German and it happened uh, in that way. The power uh, yes. of Scoble. Um, he, he gets all the way over. Um, but I mean, at the same time, you, this, you are the headquarters of Volkswagen, the uh, the owner of, I don't know if it's the most, but the most beautiful Super Bowl advert and, and so many things uh, with that Star Wars uh, ad, the Darth Vader story. Um, so you guys have great brands. So how does that work? Um, yeah, I mean, Volkswagen is also doing a lot of uh, good things. There was uh, one project that, that I was involved with was called uh, the Horst Schlemmer uh, block, um, where uh, Horst Schlemmer is a famous, um, or is a role played by a famous German comedian. And uh, there was a campaign that he was trying to get his driver license. And... Um, there were a lot of small films. That was in 2007 when there were not really big. Uh, YouTube wasn't big yet, but um, that was one of the really best viral cases that, that uh, happened in, in Germany was, was Volkswagen back then. Drivers Wanted. Um, sorry? Drivers Wanted. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, for example, the thing that they are doing in the U.S. Um, they, I think... Uh, they are much more innovative uh, outside of Germany and much more conservative uh, with their communications and trying out new things uh, here in, in Germany. Well, but, I think, but that, I mean, that's that's probably true for a lot of brands. But the good news is that they've given them the flexibility in the United States to drive it, to run it. Yeah, and uh, now and nowadays these uh, things spill over to Germany, and yeah, uh, it's back. here suddenly, yeah, the that's, boomerang. Um, but uh, for example, I, 
I also work for, for Volkswagen occasionally for the German market specifically. And what we did there when we started the Facebook page and, uh, was that we um, set up a team um, uh, within the, uh, the uh, customer dialogue department who is actually doing the community management yeah, to really be able to respond quickly to complaints and people who have uh, uh, problems with their cars. And that was um, a typical Volkswagen move, yeah, to be really uh, thoughtful and uh, really uh, be able to help the, the customer also on, on Facebook and doing that before they launch, launch the channel. I want to get into BuzzRank in a second, but um, just another question, Bjorn, is, is um, and something I, I constantly, I would say, beat the drum is, are, do you have any German CEOs, women or men, who are leading the charge and showing the example of being on social media and, and driving it and actually being present themselves? Um. Uh, not not that I they're really um, really visible. Um, I think that most <laughs> that of them are. Sound good. So, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think there's uh, we have the DAX, yeah, the uh, uh, stock index with the biggest um, thirty companies. Um, I don't think there is a, a CEO who actually is using something like Twitter or. Um, or Facebook really actively um, to be visible and to talk directly um, to the market using um, these um, these tools. So no, um, no Richard Branson of Germany. Yeah, I mean Richard Branson is uh, uh, is also a very special character. Um, so uh, it's not uh, conservative, uh, the head of a conservative company. That's for sure. Well, he created in his own image. What, what is your opinion, Bjorn? Do you, I mean, wh- how do you, when you're talking with companies, we're going to talk about BuzzRank in a moment, but how do you, to what extent do you believe it's important for senior management in a company to actually be doing the things that you and I do every day? I think it is very important. and They are missing a lot of uh, positive things here um, by not doing this. Um, they are focusing very much on, on the problems and all the negative feedback that they would get from, from these kind of activities. That's probably why a lot of people are afraid using it. Um, but um, if you take, for example, um, I think his name is John Ledger, the, the CEO of T-Mobile uh, in the U.S., mm-hmm how he's using uh, Twitter, and um, that's something that that uh, is really a very interesting example for a company like T-Mobile, which is basically it is owned by, by uh, German Deutsche Telekom. But um, I, I couldn't see somebody from the CEO of Deutsche Telekom doing it the same way as, as John Ledger is doing it in uh, uh, these days in, in the U.S. But maybe that's a general question of generations. I mean, in, well, in a few years, younger CEOs use it differently, hopefully. Indeed. Question of mindset or maybe Hamburg beer. Um, uh, what about, so let's talk about BuzzRank. So tell us what is BuzzRank and how do you evaluate the competitive advantage that BuzzRank has over the competition? Because presumably quite a crowded market like there is in here. Yeah. Um, actually BuzzRank grew out of my, um, consulting business, um, that actually was done for Deutsche Telekom. Uh, one of the, my, my projects, um, over the last years was to, 
organize the customer service dialogue of uh, Deutsche Telekom uh, here in Germany together with uh, a team of, of colleagues in, in Bonn. And one of the uh, tasks that I was charged with was come up with, with an idea how to report um, all the activities in the channels that we were about to set up. And um, we looked at all the tools that were out there and couldn't find one that, that was really interesting. Uh, and um, um, that's how we started BuzzRank, but basically to uh, solve the problem that, that we had back then and not really to come up or having a startup that, uh, that it is right now. Basically, the idea behind BuzzRank was back then uh, and still is that you have two different types of areas when it comes to, to monitoring and analytics. One thing is you have track words, yeah, certain words that uh, you want to have monitored and you want to know who's using them where and why and how and uh, what kind of sentiments he has when he wrote this. Uh, and the other thing is uh, channels. Do you have a specific channel like a Facebook page or a Twitter account and you want to know what's happening with these channels? And the founding idea of BuzzRank was to have both of these kind of approaches in one consistent tool that um, uh, combines uh, these different areas. And there's one other thing that, that was missing from all the other tools out there was uh, something that we really focused on was a very good user experience. As you said, the, the social media analytics tools market is totally overcrowded. Yeah, there are, I don't know, millions of tools. Um, but most of them are very hard to use. And our main competition is not other tools. Our main competition is more not using um, the tool that you, are, you, you have. Um, because that's most of the people uh, know in their, uh, in their head that it's important to do something like social media monitoring, but mm -hmm. they quickly get fed up because they don't get the results that they need. All right, well, so, I mean, ich verstehe ein bisschen Deutsch, aber not enough. Um, to understand what extent tracking sentiment is specifically better, easier, harder in German. I mean, in my, my, my mind, I'm thinking you have, you know, everything is so very precise in the way it's done. But is it, in your mind, as difficult, more difficult than other languages in terms of tracking sentiment, for example? Actually, I'm not sure if I have ever seen a sentiment analysis and automatically one that really works. Yeah, most of them are very difficult. Uh, and if it's easy to understand, um, then it does work. But with irony and these kind of things, usually uh, these kind of systems fail. And I think that's the same in German uh, than it is in, in uh, any other language. Um, probably uh, the... Um, semantic and the linguistics of uh, um, of, of uh, our technology is not that far yet that it can really uh, tell you something is positive or negative but there's also another another aspect um, if we uh, for for clients like Deutsche Telekom um, the question was not uh, is the uh, the um, the, 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 the person who writes something about a specific product, um, uh, is he negative towards Deutsche Telekom or positive? But what does he think about the service that we are providing? So even if he wrote, uh, this product that I'm using uh, failed and I don't like it, but I really like the service, then it was positive. Mm -hmm. That's also something that it's very hard to, uh, 
to to um, get a good results uh, using algorithms. But that's why usually I think uh, a human who is trying to train these systems and who is very actively engaged in uh, recalibrating positive and negative that's always needed in these systems, no matter what kind of language you use. Yeah, totally. Um, I just sort of using my, I would say, general biases and understanding of German about the precision, you know. But um, talking about the German market, because let's say that the Americans are, you know, all these platforms, there, there's so many of them over in the States, and then they come to Europe. And so the American invasion, and they, and they come to England, of course, first, because the language isn't quite so different. And then they look Spanish because the Hispanic market in America but to what extent is the German market protected by the German language? Or do you feel that a lot of American competition actually do come in and, and translate first into German as opposed to French and Spanish, for example? Yeah, I think there's um, some kind of protection. Um, perhaps not so much about the language, but about the channels. Yeah, like the forums uh, that I mentioned. Sure. Um, yeah, that's a very important part that... Uh, you could miss if you just uh, think social media is Facebook. Um, outside of uh, of Germany, very often that's the case. Yeah, that dominant platforms like Twitter and Facebook uh, have ninety nine percent of of um, the stuff that you want to monitor. In Germany, um, you need forums to uh, really cover one of the most uh, important aspect of the market. That's probably one thing that's important. Another thing is uh, protection through data protection, so to say. Yeah, it's uh, for some uh, companies, it's really important to have partners who have their servers within at least the European Union, yeah, where they uh, can make sure that um, the stuff that, that they are saving, like, for example, uh, text or comments or uh, annotations to... Um, to uh, social media monitoring data is not st uh, uh, um, uh, stored outside of the EU. Mm -hmm. yeah, especially nowadays with all these NSA problems, um, that uh, problem got even bigger. So that's also probably a reason um, why there's a little bit of protection um, from uh, outside competitors. When, you, when we're taking a step back and looking at the European market and this whole notion of, of privacy and security of data, is Germany going to pave the way? Because it seems like the French, I mean, you know, I don't want to be any more chauvinistic than I need to be, but the French seem to always put their, their nose in it with regard to this thing called the CNIL and the understanding of what they think is privacy. Do you think that Germany is going to lead the way, or is it, does there a desire within the German administration to lead the notion of privacy and, and de definition of privacy on a personal level? Um, yeah, that's a good question, especially if it comes to politics, um, because I think uh, there's also a totally different field. Um, uh, that's, uh, I think the Germans as such, the normal people, the normal users, uh, have very um, stark focus on, on, on the data protection. It's very important for them. Um, for politicians, I think it's something that they know that all the electorate are paying attention, so they are also interested in it. But whenever it comes to really important data protection laws in Germany, especially if something like publishing companies can use certain kind of data, um, 
they are a little bit more lax about it. Mm. And I think right now, um, I'm not that much familiar with it, but there's a new EU-wide initiative. Uh, and um, um, I'm not sure if that's really driven by, by German politicians. Mm. I, I think it, it is not, but... I'm not that much familiar with this. Mm -hmm. Well, interesting stuff. Anyway, so Bjorn, um, and I, I appreciate sharing with us, uh, you know, your the, the situation in Germany. I think it's always interesting to find out how things are being done differently in different markets and the context and the language and, you know, the culture is different. So how do you stay up? How, what's, what are the kinds of, a, you know, the secret uh, morning with Bjorn? What, how do you stay up with what's going on? Um, I use... Uh... Most of the stuff that, that's really important comes from the U.S., obviously, so I use these kind of services like TechMeme. But there's also uh, services like this in Germany, like uh, River um, is one of the services that aggregates uh, um, what people are writing and shows you important subjects. And actually, BuzzRank also has some kind of sidekick project that's called the BuzzRank Curator, um, where you also can follow stuff that people are writing about and where you, it's very easy to find new important stuff um, that's happening right now. That's something actually we also uh, set up a curator feed for South by Southwest where you were able to um, see what people were writing about South by Southwest. Uh, so that's one of the things. Um, I'm also um, very much into, um, into podcasts. So I, I started to uh, subscribe also your podcast. Well, that's very kind. I really like it. Thank you. Um, but I, one of my, my favorite podcasters is uh, Leo Laporte. Sure. And uh, I subscribe, for example, Twit. to... Yeah, uh, Twit uh, is one thing, but also uh, This Week in Google. That's also something that I find very interesting um, I'm not that much actually interested in Google, but very often the discussions are more on general subjects that, mm -hmm. that tend to be uh, really, really interesting. And um, But also, for example, Planet Money. I'm not sure if you're familiar with No, I don't that. know that one. That's from NPR. Oh, cool. That's something that I started during all the financial bubble crisis in mm -hmm. 2008. They started to become a really important um, thing to follow. Uh, so um, yeah, podcast is, is one of the things that sweet. I'm really much and uh, just for the, my things like uh, Zeit and Flipboard in German is that how how does that work? Cause, I mean, I, I I live in that mostly in a very English language, but is Zeit and, and Flipboard vibrant in German? Um, yeah, Flipboard I think uh, is. Um, I'm. I don't use that much uh, sites, but mm -hmm. um, I think Flipboard is something that a lot of uh, people there also know uh, use here in Germany, mm -hmm. and um, and it's very universal. You can add your uh, sources in there that uh, is not that much depending on the on the language. Sure, and that's cool. That's, but what's also what what I really also like are services like Instapaper. Yeah, sure. where you. Um, Yes. Save your stuff and then you uh, can read them later. And that's, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think, also something that's, that's really popular here. Well, just like we're saying, I guess, uh, Zeit, the time, time is limited. <laughs> and so Instapaper is a great way to manage. So, uh, listen, Bjorn, how can people uh, track you down, find you, follow you? What are, the, what are the best ways to find you in all the digital channels? 
Um, yeah, the, uh, my convenient situation is that I have a name that very it's very uh, particular. With Björn Onyebini, I'm probably the only one. Yeah, well, um, thank your parents it, for that one. <laughs> there was a time when Onyebini, I was the only one on the internet. That nowadays um, there are a lot of people. I think from Brazil also, and in Italy. You're, you're so, having you're having a lot of uh, kids everywhere. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> But uh, Onyebini is usually the, the username that, that I use in, in all these uh, services, like on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Um, so um, that's one of the ways to, to find me. Um, I also have a blog that's, uh, that started, uh, I think, more than 10 years ago. Yeah. It was onyebini.de, the, the, the German DE uh, domain. And you write in English, right? I saw uh, yeah, I uh, switch back and forth. Um, if I write something that's more important to, to the German audience, specifically the German audience, I write in uh, in German. Um, and I write in English if it's more internationally focused. Um, but I actually, when I started it, I think it was 2002, um, the whole blog scene in Germany was very small. And I actually started it to as a tool for networking internationally. Mm. And that's why I started in English back then. All right. Well, Bjorn, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for coming in. Great to have met you. So, danke sehr schön. And uh, look forward to following you and staying in touch. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Internet Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please rate it in iTunes. And don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or to tweet it out. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure.
You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.